Hello everyone, welcome to PR Not BS with Fiona Scott. This is my latest episode and I'm so pleased today that I'm able to introduce you to the wonderful, the glorious friend of mine called Hannah Baker, who is a fellow journalist, has been a journalist for a long time, but not as long as me. Um, but that's all I'm going to say because I'm going to let Hannah introduce herself. So Hannah, welcome. Oh, thanks Fiona for having me. Very kind introduction there. Yeah, I'm Hannah Baker. I am a journalist, a business journalist specifically, and have been doing business journalism now for, oh gosh, 13 years or so. Uh, I work for Reach PLC, which is the UK's probably one of its biggest publishers of regional papers. And I am currently working as the Southwest editor for Business Live and business editor of the Bristol Post, Gloucestershire Echo, Somerset Live. (laughs) Sounds like a big job, but before we talk about that specifically, how did you get into this role? Goodness, well, it's uh, this specific specific role um, started off a couple of years ago. I've been working for Reach now for about five years, and I started off as the Bristol Post business editor, uh, just covering Bristol, really, and uh, uh, the city region. And then the pandemic hit, as you know, we all went home, worked from home, and a new job came up um, covering the whole of the Southwest, which is a big patch. And I took that on in 2020. And now I cover the whole region stretching from Gloucestershire down to Cornwall. Give us a sense then, Hannah, of what does your day, your working day look like now you're working from home? Just give us a flavour. OK, yeah. So in the morning, um, I have a conference with my business reporter who's based in Bristol, just the two of us. Uh, we have a chat about what sort of stories we're going to look at during the day. Um, and then I uh, get hundreds of emails, as you can imagine, every day. So sort of go through those and see see if there's any um, that need to be addressed urgently. Um, look on social media, see if there's anything that sort of catches my eye and on other, to be honest, other outlets that cover business as well to see if there's anything we've missed. And we just have a discussion about the sort of content that will be appropriate to run that day. And how do you make those decisions? Because I'm obviously working with loads and loads of business owners and I'm sure some of them send you stuff. I know I send you stuff from time to time. You know, what makes the cut on any given day what type of things will catch your eye what are you looking for obviously it has to be timely and there's some stories that are good but there's not necessarily a decent news hook or reason for doing it now so we look at what's going to be most timely and also the second big thing is what we think our audience are going to most engage with we're really targeted at business readers um, specifically ceos directors heads of business um across the southwest and the stories that will be relevant and important to them so whether that's a big deal that's been brokered or a big commercial property that's been put up for sale um it sounds quite dry but it's of interest to that niche audience um the bigger stories that have more local interest that might affect the general public say stories about hinkley point or a big development in bristol or something happening in gloucestershire we will cover those as well but we'll write those for the local sites like Bristol Live, Gloucestershire Live, Somerset Live um, separately. So it's a bit of a juggle really between what's going to be suitable for, for our business site and also what's going to be suitable for the local press, um, which are our sister sites that we also work for. So it's sort of a 
multiple job in a way. Okay, I'm going to address this because um, I remember back in the day when I was on newspapers, I literally walked, I was crime reporter and I walked in one day and for various political internal reasons which did not involve me, I was told today you're business editor. And I remember on that day thinking I'm going from crime to business. I didn't want to, I thought it would be as dry as an old bone. So how did you get into business writing and why that sort of area of writing? I didn't expect when I became a journalist to specialise in business. But when I finished and I qualified, I went off travelling for a year and I came back to London and a job uh, became available at the Institute of Directors in London, which is a big membership organisation. And they have a sort of glossy, high-end magazine called Director, which is aimed at uh, CEOs, leaders, big businesses. And I got a job there as an editorial assistant and it was there really over five years that I discovered actually business is really interesting it's not dry it people think it's boring sometimes but to be honest business owners are much more interesting to interview for me personally than say a politician because they will be honest they'll be frank they'll be open about their mistakes what they've done wrong where they've learned things and um, just a lot more (laughs) available in terms of, uh, as an interviewer, getting something out of them than, um, yeah, say, a politician. That's exactly what I found. Uh, Exactly what I found. Interesting people who often don't know that they're interesting as well. Um, But what I wanted to ask you, so for the smallest business owner and the smaller entrepreneurs, they're not going to be in the top 100 businesses across the southwest or something, One, how can they engage with you? What type of story might they be considered for or would they never be considered? What's what's your thinking around that kind of very small business, micro business sector? Often startups and micro businesses have the most interesting stories, to be honest. And regularly, they're more interesting than big corporates, multinationals. Because again, although uh, business leaders of a big corporation are still more open than, say, a politician, they're they still go by their corporate line. Whereas a, the head of a startup, an entrepreneur who set up their own business, sit from their kitchen table and has found success, will tend to be far more open again. And there are so many incredible startups in the West Country. Um, and from Bristol down to Cornwall, I have interviewed so many. And uh, it's absolutely fascinating to talk to them about how they've achieved success going from, say, investing £100 in a small business and then within a few years turning over hundreds of thousands or even millions. Um, And for me, that's fascinating. So how can those people reach out to you in a way that works for you, given that you've got that massive inbox every day? Well, it's about... uh, For me, it's always about the human story. So it's about the human angle of the story um, and also really pushing their connection to the region because the amount of people I get who get in touch with me who aren't actually from the southwest but they have a really good story um, then it's quite a lot uh, so making it clear where in the region you're from um, what it is you've been doing and why why do you want to tell your story now like what's the hook what's the reason for telling and now, do you know, have you landed a big deal? Have you landed investment? Have you expanded? Have you taken on new staff? There's always sort of a reason to tell a story. It's just a matter of finding it. And can you always, Hannah, 
you know, if I was to email you this week, um, can you always respond in a timely manner? Do I need patience? What should my realistic expectations be? Yeah, I'd like to apologise in advance to anyone who's emailed me this week and haven't responded. It's not that I haven't seen it. It's just that my inbox is just crazy. And like I said, I get hundreds of emails a day. So it is, yes, patience. Also, don't uh, feel bad about emailing me again and again. And just, I know it seems like pestering, but it is the best way to get that email back to the top of my inbox and say, just a reminder, just a reminder, because sometimes I do accidentally miss it or because I've had so many that day, I'll just, I'll, I'll highlight it and want to come back to it and then get distracted by something else or a bigger story's come in um, and I could end up missing it. So if it keeps on coming back into my inbox at the top, then I'm more likely to, to see it and use it. Okay, let's move on to sort of the world of PR and people like me, if you like. What for you is a good relationship with a PR person, regardless who they are? Um, What really works for you? And then we will come on to what doesn't work so well. Uh, What really works is uh, reaching out and um, offering to meet up face to face. For me personally, and it's different for all journalists, but I still think relationships are built on um built over time and um i think they develop better in person um it's been very difficult with the pandemic for that and we have tried i have tried to have more meetings over zoom obviously with with prs i don't know but if it's possible to organize to meet up and discuss what their clients are who they work for what they want to do why they're getting in touch with me. I'll always be open to that. Go for a coffee, say, meet in Bristol. I am always willing to do that and find um, time in my diary to do that um, because once I get to know a person, I'm much more likely to be able to remember them when they pop into my inbox. So, yeah, that's definitely um, a big yes for me is reaching out. Because when you and I first met, it took us a while, didn't it? Yeah, it, did. it took us a while to meet up, but we did. And it's, I, I think it really changes the dynamic because I got a much better idea of the pressures you're under and the multiple deadlines you have to meet, which chimed with my experience years ago. And you get an idea of the kind of people I work for. So you know that I've got people that are not just in the southwest. They could be anywhere. Um, what doesn't work very well for you, Hannah? To be honest, phoning without sending an email or phoning to say, I'm going to send you a press release. You'll save yourself time if you just send the press release and say why I should use it. Um, Again, highlight, you know, specifically the area it's relevant to. So if this is a story, make it very clear it's for Bristol, it's for Gloucester, it's for Bath, wherever it's for. um, So that I can see that immediately um, because it's not just online I'm thinking about it's also the print publications that we cover as well and whether it will be relevant for them um so just phoning you're probably not gonna be very successful um to be honest and also I just wanted to talk to you about the dynamic of chasing Mm -hmm. because when I was a full-time newspaper journalist and there were two things that didn't float my bike. Some fancy headline in the... Well, in those days, we used to get paper press releases, but the emails were just starting. Some fancy, well-thought-out, periodic headline, which didn't tell me anything about the story. And the other thing is, 
having multiple phone calls or emails afterwards asking, have I received it? Have you received it? Was it used to you? Can we learn anything from it? I always did just to drive me nuts and I never do it myself now unless I've sent you something and I think, I don't know if Hannah's actually seen that. So I'll just go, knock, knock, did you see it? And that's it. I mean, you know, th- do those things get you? Yes, a little bit. I think the other bugbear really is probably when people say, when are you going to publish it? Because often I don't know myself um, exactly when it will be published. Or I may well have published it um, and then I'll get people chasing me to say, have you used this? Have you used this? And I've actually used it last week. And I know, uh, you know, in an ideal world, I would send all the PRs a link out to the story once it's done. But unfortunately, I just don't have time. So I'm afraid I'd have to ask people to just check on the website to see if you can see it. And just send an email uh, and say, if you need to ask, um, you know, when's it going up roughly? I might be able to say this week or next, but I'm never going to probably be able to say exactly when it is, um, which could be frustrating, I know. And why is that? Is it because someone else is doing the uploading? Maybe an understanding of the process, because it's different. In my day, I would send a story off and I wouldn't know exactly unless I was told it's for the front page lead that day or page three lead. I wouldn't know myself even then when it was going to be published. Tell me what the process is now. So, to be honest, we still have, certain papers still have business sections in them, in print. Um, for example, the Bristol Post has a business section on a Wednesday. So I know uh, that some of the content used from the previous week will go in that. But because... Uh, the system works so differently now to even how it did two years ago when I would physically put that together. That's changed. So now everything goes online first. Uh, all the stories go online first. And there's a there's a business basket and the print guys from around the region will look in that uh, basket online and take any copy that's already been published and use the copy to make up the paper. And I don't know when they're going to take that um, you know, it could be immediately, and it could be a few days, they could save it, or they might, might not use it at all. That's down to those print guys. Um, in terms of online, when something's going to be published online, uh, we don't have set schedules, and it, I could be thinking, oh, publish this today, and then bump it because something more uh, urgent comes in. So I don't like to say to people, I'll be doing that tomorrow, because I might end up not doing that. And I just don't want them waiting for the story and going back and forth. And I, it really, I just don't have the time, unfortunately. Yeah, I think it's easy to forget. When I worked on the Swindon Advertiser, we had 15 reporters covering Swindon. We now have about five. And Swindon's bigger. So the, the, the call upon a journalist's time, I mean, I was so thrilled to hear you say, try and meet me for a coffee. But you need to be realistic about your diary, don't you? That it may take some time to do that, but it's really worth pursuing. Yeah, definitely. And uh, what what I try to do, because I'm still working from home, but I do go into Bristol regularly or or Swindon or, or locally, um, depending on, on where people are based, um, I try and arrange a few meetings in one day so that I can meet a few different people uh, so that um, it makes that trip sort of a bit worth more worthwhile rather than just going to Bristol for one meeting, especially when our offices aren't um, open yet. I wanted to ask you um, a little bit about other things that you need. I mean, how important is it for, I don't know, a, an entrepreneur's contacted you or someone like me has contacted you, you like the story, you feel it fits. Um, how important are things like 
photographs. Photographs are really important, especially if you want the story to be in print because the print guys are always looking for decent picture stories. And so if you've got a high quality image um, and never of a logo, please, <laughs> but of your team, um, of people, um, even of the, the place, if it's a property story, the place where uh, you work or the building that's being featured, um, that, that can be the difference between a story being published and not. Um, also, it's, it's the same for online these days, to be honest. Um, if we've got a good story uh, and it doesn't have a photo with it and there's not a timely response for a photo, then it might get missed off. I'm glad you said that because I bang on about that a lot. And every now and then I have to actually, you know, test that I'm actually right about that. And you said I'm right. Yeah, you're definitely right. Um, how important to you in your job is social media and video or video content? Does that play a role at all? Social media is really important. We, as journalists now, are almost expected to have a persona online to promote our stories. Uh, it's it's become sort of a responsibility of the individual journalist, not of the company they work for, to promote the content that they write. So a social media presence is really important. And for every story that we publish, we will put it on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, whichever outlet's more appropriate for that particular story. As for video content, yeah, it's great. Um, but at the moment, with our company, Reach PLC, they're less focused on video right now. We do use it occasionally to illustrate a good behind-the-scenes story, for example, but I wouldn't use it on day-to-day -day, uh, business stories, really. OK, I'm going to ask you to look into your crystal ball as we look forward to 2023. What do you think are going to be the themes of interest to all businesses in the Southwest? Um, in 2023 what kind of general things do you think are going to keep coming up I think the cost of living crisis is going to be major for businesses in the southwest because of the the impact uh, not only that it has on their staff but within the business as well so for example rising energy prices especially on small firms that um, have a premises say in a city centre and them being able to deal with the cost of staying there. It, more and more businesses are coming under pressure with regards to that. Um, the other thing that's probably going to have an impact going into next year is the war in Ukraine because of the supply chains. Um, there are so many businesses in the Southwest that trade with Europe or import materials from Europe. And there's already a knock-on effect um, on a lot of those firms which are struggling to get the, the raw materials that they need, especially manufacturing businesses. Uh, and it's causing a lot of problems already, but I think that next year will continue to be an issue. What positive things do you want to hear from businesses in 2023 that will make you sit up? Um, like you did during lockdown, I think we talked about it face-to-face -face at that time. What kind of messages do you want to hear from businesses that will make you think, yeah, I'm going to take that press release or that email or that comment a little bit more seriously? Well, I'm always really interested in the technology that's coming out of the Southwest. It's, it's, a, it's incredible 
the things that are happening across this region in terms of tech um, and not just Bristol because people always associate Bristol as being a big tech hub and yes it is but it's not just Bristol it's it's all across the region there's really exciting things um, from I don't know, so-called flying taxis being developed um, to startups that are creating phenom- phenomenal sort of innovations and products and I love hearing those stories about uh, even like um, spin-outs from universities that have come up with an idea they've got some funding and they're just running with their uh, their business basically and um, I, I just think next year tech is another focus that I'll, I'll really be looking at and I've, I've done a lot this year already and so any stories around that particular topic is is one I'll be looking out for. I do try to explain to people that bad news whether it's business or health <clears throat> becomes public and obvious very quickly it's much harder for a journalist like you to find those good news stories isn't it that's why it's a really important for the business community I think to take ownership and just let you know that these things are happening. Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing is companies in the region that are hiring or creating jobs, um, uh, basically contributing hugely to the economy, that have taken on large investment, that sort of thing. Um, that's definitely always of interest as, as well. Um, so, like you say, yeah, it, it's it's tricky with those positive stories sometimes because unfortunately as you well know in the media often it's the negative stories that do better Um, but from a business perspective there's so many positive things to say and that's what I like about my job is that we don't have to always focus on the doom and gloom despite there being a lot of that around at the moment Um, there's still very positive stories to tell I totally agree if I'm sending out a warning story one of my clients did one recently about you know, 10 money-saving hacks at home. It's a mortgage advisor. Um, and that did really, really well because it was almost like a how-to or a workaround or, yes, these thing, negative things are happening, but have you thought about these? I always think if you can add a positive to a negative. And that's one thing I just wanted to raise with you finally is a lot of people can think, Hannah, that journalists like you and I were only interested in negative news because that's what they see. That's what frankly readers out there listeners click on and that's the reality that's factual i mean you know how do you marry up that balance between positive and negative what goes on in your head well yeah it's a balance between what's going to do well and our audience are going to engage with and what people should know about and and unfortunately at the moment given the economic climate there are a lot of um negative stories or the companies might perceive them as negative um people getting in touch about uh, sort of uh pay issues the cost of living crisis from within big firms within the region um that are struggling um being given more and more tip tip offs um from sources who who from these companies that want to speak out so yeah it, it seems like there can be a lot and 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 people will engage with that type of content um but it doesn't mean that they won't engage with the positive content as well. Like one of the stories that did really well for us this year, which I absolutely love, um, was a duo, uh, um, young graduates from the University of Bristol, who set up um, a company called Pequel. 
uh, I think last year or the year before. And basically, it's uh, a women's urinal. And uh, they went around festivals pitching their idea and they got funding and it's just really taken off. And that story did so well for us. I don't know whether it's because uh, it's a successful uh, innovation story. It's uh, two young women doing something different or or what. To be honest, I don't know the reason why it did so well, but I love that story. Um, And they they provided um, cool CGI's of what, the urinal would look like as well so maybe that helped um the pictures again um were perhaps key to that i don't know but that was a great story and it did just as well as some of the negative stories that we've possibly run as well so hannah how can people get in touch with you in a way that you're comfortable with and that works for you probably by email hannah.baker at reachplc.com but also on twitter at hannah j baker i check that every day so either way definitely get in touch Thank you very much indeed. And that's it from today's podcast. I hope you got a lot out of it. Um, Hannah's told you how to get in touch with her. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm at scottmedia.uk. And if you're thinking you want some PR or you want to find out a little bit more about it, click on the Power Hour. It's always a great way to start and it doesn't commit you to anything else. Have a great day and the next episode will be out in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Thank you.